Podcast Answer Man, episode number 326. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode, there's something we can all do to take our show and everything we do in life to the next level. That's right, my friends, and it looks like Apple is trying to take things to the next level on uh, many fronts. In fact, uh, I am recording this on Thursday, September 19th, 2013, less than 24 hours ago, iOS 7 hit the streets, and I am one of those guys who actually likes it. Certainly have some very close, very personal friends of mine who are out there saying about talking about all the things that they do not like, and certainly it takes some getting used to. It is um, it is different, but there are a couple applications that I have found that have been updated, and as a result of the freedom that has been given to them to put certain things in certain places, um, the apps are much better. And I always was a very happy iOS or Apple. Uh, operating system user as far as my iPhone and my iPad. I always enjoyed the apps that I had. I thought they were uh, very useful. And and personally, I I rely on them quite a bit. But uh, the couple that I've seen that have really taken full advantage of the new ability to redesign and put things in different places, it has been a true joy to see what they've come up with. And yeah, it's going to take me a little bit to get used to some of the different aspects of things. And in fact, it's usually... It's been the Apple products that have been redesigned for the new iOS. Uh, Those are the apps that I like the least. Uh, But when it comes to some of the other applications out there, like Evernote, I just saw this morning. You're going to hear you're going to hear us talk about that in the social media segment with Eric Fisher, which we're going to talk about uh, photos today, how photos are able to be used and also two different services that you may want to know about on how to potentially um you know, make better use of your photos that you're taking to, you know, do what you want to do with your photos, whether it be retain ownership and kind of keep things to yourself and and have archives, or do you push it up to, you know, one of our social networking services, get it seen and visible by as many people as possible. There are all kinds of options out there, and we're going to cover that in the social media segment today. Also, I'm going to share with you a technology tool of the week uh, how I actually am setting up different things on my calendar and keeping everything all straight and focused and to the point, I will talk about time trade. And then I am going to share with you a little bit about uh, podcasting A to Z. The good news is the course starts on Monday, and I am unapologetically going to share with you a promotion that I have for podcasting A to Z, some stuff to promote it. And then uh, the cool thing is, is over the next four weeks, you don't have to listen to it because during the next four weeks, I'll be busy doing podcasting A to Z. And I'm sure I'll find some other wonderful things to promote at that time. Anyway, but Apple still taking things to the next level because not only did they release iOS 7, but they also released a brand new version of iTunes yesterday, 11.1. And it actually brings something that has been missing ever since they released the the podcast app. You know, many of us who have gone back to the early days of podcasting and when it was incorporated into iTunes, you know that podcasting was always a part of iTunes and the, the desktop software. And you had to sync your podcast subscriptions via a cable back in the day. I remember those days. And you had to actually sync it, all your podcast subscriptions, and it would show up in the music app under a tab that by default would be hidden, but you could bring to the forefront if you wanted to. And then when they created the podcasts app from Apple, they pulled podcasting 
and the ability to sync your podcast subscriptions from the desktop iTunes app over to your music app. That functionality ceased to exist. And there was no way for you to sync your pods. Now, the thing is, is the new podcasting app that came out for iOS, it would allow you to very easily, very easily sync your subscriptions between your iPad, your iPhone, your iPod Touch, all of those different iOS devices. You could actually open up your podcasting app and start listening where you left off. It's been my podcasting app of choice ever since like version 1.3 of that app uh, and I have been, uh, that's the only app that I've been using for the last oh gosh it, it seems like a year or more but it probably hasn't been that long but it has it is my favorite podcasting app now is it the is it the best featured application are there better no it's not there are better apps out there I have not tried downcast but from everything I hear from everyone downcast hands down has the best functionality and feature set out of all of them but I need new look no further than the Apple podcasting app right now because of a couple reasons one is that it did have this ability for me to actually sync my subscriptions between my iPhone and my iPad mini which I use both on a very consistent basis and not only that but it does allow me to subscribe via iTunes to several podcasts and when I'm subscribing in iTunes using the podcast apps then iTunes is getting notification of those subscriptions and and when I'm subscribing to let's just say your show in the podcast app then that counts towards your rankings and and your ratings within uh, the iTunes directory so not your ratings like your five star ratings but it is it, the downloads and the subscriptions and all that stuff that's coming you know apple is aware of that when you're using their podcasts app whereas if you're using if i was using downcast and i subscribe to your show there's no way for itunes to know that and therefore it's not going to help you rise through the rankings if that is your desire so uh the all the, uh, the other things that i that i can do is i can actually go in now and there's the ability to see your reviews and ratings and i believe you can even go in and give ratings and re- and written reviews inside the application so so there's a lot of reasons why i prefer to use the apple podcast apps the the podcasting app these days and it most of the time most everything has to do with the fact that well I really prefer, you know, giving you guys as much credit as I can if I'm listening to your show. Now, with iTunes 11.1, they just uh, updated the functionality. In fact, it says here uh, under iTunes 11.1, it says podcast station allows you to create custom stations of your favorite podcasts that update automatically with new episodes. And and so, first of all, they introduced podcast stations. Now, podcast stations, if I'm not mistaken, was a feature of the iOS application. And it's not something that I used personally. However, there is, in fact, the ability in here. It says your stations, subscriptions, and current play position will sync over iCloud to the podcasts app for iOS. So now when you go into 11.1 and click on the podcast app or section of the application inside the desktop version of iTunes, it will say, do you want to turn on syncing with uh, iCloud? And as soon as I clicked yes, immediately it brought all of my podcast, all of my podcast subscriptions into my iTunes desktop. Not only that, but it took a little bit. They started coming in in weird order. But then as soon as it seemed to be, you know, finishing up, you know, the last few bit of the, bits of the process, it was very clear that it actually put them in the same order that I actually have them on my iOS application. So it actually puts them in order. And, and I looked, you can drag and drop the order from iTunes and it will propagate through to the iOS applications. Now, ironically, for some reason, I put my Veronica Mars fan podcast at the very top of the list, and I happen to believe it's because I was probably listening to it and it was doing something funny when it, you know, did this the initial sync. So, one of the things that I tried to do is I went to the iOS application and moved it back down to its normal position within my list and synced it, and it moved it, and then all of a sudden it moved itself back. 
So as and I wasn't able to get it to move back into its position until I moved it on the desktop app, and then it moved it onto the iOS app eventually. So it it seems to me like they still have a few little tiny minute bugs to uh, to iron out there. But I am very excited about what they're doing. I am very excited to see that they are integrating the iOS with the desktop version of the application. And I'm looking at my list. It shows me how many episodes are there that are unplayed. If I've actually marked an episode and and kind of deleted it from my quote-unquote queue, if you will, uh, that's all carried over. it's, It's beautiful. I am very, very delighted with what they've done there taking iTunes and podcasting to the next level. And I encourage you guys to check it out. And if you haven't given the podcasts app a try in a long time, I will tell you it, it's it's a worthwhile it's a worthwhile podcasting application to use in my mind. Now here's the deal. If you haven't done it, you may want to wait just another week or two because ironically, the Apple Podcasts app is an app that has not yet been updated to have the new user interface that would typically come uh, with having a, uh, let's see, what do you call it, with having the new iOS language and everything. So I'm waiting for them to update that. I'm sure it's going to be a little awkward at first, but, um, you know, I'm getting used to it, and and I kind of like it. You know, there, there are certain things I, I don't like about iOS 7. What Just the one thing that I don't like is that my uh, folders... I have a. I usually have one folder called My Apps down in the dock on the left hand side, and then I have three icon applications. But my my folder used to be able to fit twelve icons on one screen, and they've reduced that down to nine. Now they say, "Oh well, hey, wahaha, we now give you pages of icons." Well, that's great. Let me retain the twelve in my you know in in each screen in my folder that would have been nice because i was used to you know muscle memory of where application icons are and and now i've had to kind of you know i'm going to have to learn some new muscle memory but again you know there's a lot of people who are going to hate ios 7 just because it's different and um you know they may or may not give it a shot and some people will who have already been on the fence about moving everything over to android will make that decision that's perfectly fine I'm I, I'm telling you I really like it, um, and I'm looking forward to getting used to it. And by the way, I just noticed in here I got App Store. App Store it says Skype for iPhone and 12 others were updated, and uh, very cool. And it does actually show me some things in here, which I'll have to tell Eric Fisher about. Anyway, our concern was with the automatic updates. Then uh, we were concerned. I wonder how are we going to know what the notes were. And and the good news is that I just found out that um, even though applications are auto updating, you actually have the ability to see what those updates were. So anyway, that's totally off topic. But for those of you who are geek, Apple geek like I am, I'm sure you enjoyed that little tidbit there as well. So that's iTunes 11.1. The next thing I want to tell you about is tech tool of the week time trade tech tool of the week time trade i have been looking for a replacement for tungle forever now i don't even know if this still pulls up t-u-n-g-l-e.com and uh was that how you spelled it let's see here t-u-n-g-l-e and let's just do tungle and yeah it looks to me like they have tungle free download software but the actual website, um, nope, it's not there anymore. T-U-N-G-L-E dot com. It used to be this, it says DNS service for, oh, okay, so basically they closed down the DNS, or the DNS. That's really weird. I guess maybe BlackBerry purchased this service and, and shut it all down. I don't know. Here's the situation. I used to do a ton of one-on-one coaching and consulting. And the biggest headache that I had in my business was going back and forth on, you know, when I'm available to do consulting calls for them to then look at their calendar to see if any of those dates and times were available for them. And then oftentimes having them come back and suggest a different time only to find out that I'm not available that time and suggesting two or three other times and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And 
initially what I did is I hired an assistant to help me with that. Now, I still have my assistant, but my assistant was no longer doing this for me because I had found this service called Tungle back in the day. This is several years ago. And Tungle was a service that could integrate with your calendar. I was using Google Calendar. And you could go in and tell it the times that you have open and free for any various, uh, well, that you that you had either busy or free. And anything that you listed as available time, somebody could go into your Tungle uh, account and they would just have a web interface that would show them in a very clean way what time slots are open for you to do business with them. And they could go in and they could choose a time slot or you could you could uh, request or require that they choose more than one time slot and then you and what would happen is it would actually send you a little note that says hey they've said that they're available this time this time and this time and you can choose the one that works best for you and then they would get an email saying okay this has been confirmed or if you wanted to you could say you know just choose one and as you choose it boom it's confirmed because I've already marked that I'm available the pro- a couple problems that I had there was, number one, um, there were other things that I might want to do with people. So, for example, let's just say on Tuesdays I want to do one-on-one consulting and coaching. But on uh, Mondays, I wanted to do podcast interviews. Well, with Tungle, it was very easy for people to go in and see when I had times available, but it was just time available. Now, the thing is, is I would love it, would have loved it back then if it would have said, okay, Cliff's available for, okay, what is it that you want? Okay, you want to schedule a podcast interview. Well, here are the times that he has available. It's only going to show you Mondays. Uh, and then if you want to do consulting, and I do those on Tuesday, I here's a link to that, and it shows you, okay, you're, you're here to set, schedule a, a consulting call. Cliff's available at this time, and it only shows the time slots that I have on, on Tuesdays. And then, of course, it had the ability to connect with your calendar. But the Tungle service never had the ability to separate availability by activities, or at least it wasn't a a regular feature when I was using it. Well, later down the road, BlackBerry, uh, the the you know the smartphone manufacturer, actually, uh, what is it, Research in Motion, Rim, who owns BlackBerry. BlackBerry ended up purchasing Tungle, and I don't know what happened to it after that. But I stopped using the service, and. I really found myself not in need of it a whole lot because as time went on, I've done less and less and less one-on-one coaching and consulting and more group stuff. And the thing is, is that let me just tell you recently two things that have happened that I've needed to schedule times with people. One was New Media Expo. When back a couple, probably about two months ago, I went through all all of the submissions for the uh, podcasting track of New Media Expo, and I wanted to talk to 30 different people and personally bring them in and invite them and talk to them about this opportunity to speak on the podcasting track. And I wanted to have 30-minute conversations with 30 people. That's a lot of scheduling, my friends, and it can be a nightmare. And my good friend and event manager here for Podcast Answer Man and Ravenscraft Enterprises, uh, you know, Jared Easley does a lot of things for me and was more than happy to personally do the things that my assistant used to do. And I really appreciate his offer to do that. But even that, it was just it was just overwhelming to think about, you know, that kind of access to my calendar and, and that many people and and all of these different things. And so what I did is I actually took blocks of time and created my own custom tungle, if you will, by using a Google spreadsheet that was available to anybody who I gave the link. And it would actually show, hey, here in green are all the time slots that I have available. All you need to do is pick one and type your name into it. And if you type your name into it, that time slot will be booked for you. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll see that you've done that and I'll manually add that to my calendar, and then I'll turn that time slot into red, and it's no longer available. And I did that, and Jared helped send out the invitations, and he sent out the link to that spreadsheet with the instructions, and it worked, but it wasn't exactly the most professional-looking thing and the most professional representation of me and my brand and and the quality of things that I, I do. So I've seen a lot of other tools out there that do that do today what Tungle did. 
And there's no shortage of these. But the one I ended up choosing to go with is called Time Trade. You can find it at timetrade.com. I don't have an affiliate system set up with them. I don't know if they offer an affiliate. Uh, but this really isn't for me to generate income. This is just for me to tell you this is a tool that's really saved my bacon. Uh, it, it's it's really helped me to to give a professional look and feel to my brand. So here's what it is. It's $49 a year where most of these services for you to be for them to be useful in a business, uh, most of them are like nineteen dollars and twenty nine dollars and up per month. Time trade is only forty nine dollars a year, and it does have the ability for you, by the way, to connect it to your calendar so that as soon as somebody books a time, it will automatically put that onto your calendar. I like having manual control over what's going on with my calendar. Does it cause double work a little bit? Yeah, it does. But I wanted to have a service like this where I can manually go in and tell it the times that I have available. And I'm going to, at the same time I tell them that I have those times available, I'm going to go to my calendar and block those times out so that it's not going, so I won't accidentally double book something in that time slot. Then, once inter, once requests or once confirmations come in, somebody's choose, chosen one of those, let's just say a 30-minute time block or an hour time block, I will then get an email notification from Time Trade, and I will manually go over and look at my calendar. It's like, yep, that was blocked out, but now it's blocked out for this specific person. And so I'll go in and add that calendar and uh, event to my uh, schedule. So here's the deal. Uh, we got, uh, you can connect it to your calendar or not. You can create different activities with different time slot availabilities. So back in the old days, when I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching and consulting, what I can do in time trade is I create an activity called 30-minute podcast interview with Cliff Ravenscraft, where I basically say, listen, this is designed to be a 30-minute interview. I'm personally, and, and, and I communicate this on the page. I'm going to block out an hour of my time, but if we can shoot for 30 minutes, that's great. I'm not opposed to going as much as 50 minutes, but as long as you know that five minutes or whatever before our call, I have to have a heart out. I have to hang up the phone and prepare for my next call because I usually do these back to back. And all of that is very professionally communicated. And in fact, if you want to see that, if anybody out there is is interested in seeing what it looks like, you could go to podcastanswerman.com slash interview. Now, I, I prefer that you do not go ahead and schedule an interview with me. If you wouldn't mind, please, if, you, if you're interested in doing an interview with me, please email me first. Let me know about your show and stuff like that, and I'll let you know if I can fit you in because I do send out these invitations and, and the time slots that you might see right now when you're listening to this may have been made available for a certain group of people who have been waiting for a long time to be invited to to fill those slots. So don't fill out a slot, don't fill out a confirmation unless I've actually asked you to go to that to actually schedule an interview with me. If you want to interview with me, I am very happy to to uh to definitely go over that and and potentially be on your show. I would I love doing podcast interviews. But anyway, just as more for you to see how time, shape, time trade looks. And all you need to do is go for, through the first page, click continue, see the time slots available, and then you can kind of uh, just stop before you get to any confirmation or anything like that. But anyway, time trade is very awesome in that it allows me to do that as an activity, and I can say, listen, I'm available at these day, during this day at these specific times. But then the next day, let's just say if I wanted to do, uh, you know, call, you know, let's just say brainstorming sessions with the people who are on my podcasting track, and I want to just touch base with them, make sure that every, they've got everything up and running with their description and that they're preparing for everything uh, appropriately for their sessions. And so I can invite them to go to a different activity, which will have a different landing page than what you see for podcasting, podcastanswerman.com slash interview. It'll have a different custom message. It'll have a different thing. And when they click continue, it will show them a different set of available times. And I love that none of this has to actually be directly, automatically connected to my calendar. And for those of you who would prefer that, it is there as an available thing as well. 
But uh, the cool thing is that as soon as somebody does book a time with me, they immediately get a custom confirmation um, number. They actually get a confirmation number and code that says, you are confirmed. Here is your custom confirmation number. And they get an email when they've booked the time. I get an email when they've booked the time. And that's when I go in and I, I add it manually to my calendar with my process. You don't have to do that. can be automatic. However, the other thing is is that um, I also have the ability to, uh, or it actually has the ability or the functionality to send email reminders to them within 24 to 36 hours prior to the appointment. Now, this is not something that can change. You can't change the reminders that are sent. You can't change it, the look or feel of them or how or when they're reminded. But their system automatically reminds somebody somewhere between 26 to 36 hours prior to the appointment assuming that they booked the appointment at least 36 hours prior to the appointment. So if they book a couple days or even a couple weeks or even a couple months in advance, then yes, it is. uh, they will get a reminder the day before, essentially, if you can imagine. So yeah, I I love it. And of course, if you wanted to, you could always look at, see your calendar appointments for tomorrow or even the same day and say, this is what's going on today. And you can send out little reminders or your assistant can send out reminders for you. But Time Trade is my tech tool of the week and I absolutely love it. Before we get into our social media segment, I want to play for you an eight minute, 14 second audio clip from Susie Farthing's uh, One Love for Nurses podcast. And Susie interviewed Rieger Cortell, who happens to be uh, a nurse practitioner who also has a podcast uh, in the, the medical space. And Susie and Rieger both together are, uh, or both of them individually are podcasting A to Z alumni members. And Susie was interviewing Rieger on our podcast, and this is not planned, pre-planned. It was this naturally came out of their conversation when they were talking, and I have permission to share it with you. But this is just eight minutes and fourteen seconds of them talking about the experience with podcasting A to Z. Tell us how hard has it been on that note to learn how to podcast. Well, it's intimidating, definitely. Um, it's been a tremendous amount of information for me to learn. I did, when, when it occurred to me to, to okay, I, I guess I'm going to have to figure this out. I mean, I started with baby steps. Okay, well, I want a Gmail account. So, okay, how do I get a Gmail account? Okay, okay, I got a Gmail account. And then, well, I want a domain name. How on earth do people get domain names? I had no, in, in May, yeah. beginning May 5th, I had no idea the morning of May 5th, how you get a domain name. But like everybody, I went to YouTube. I plugged in, how do you get a domain name? Mm -hmm. Started watching a video. Oh, I got to go to HostGator and I got to do this and I got to do that. Within an hour, I had my domain name, weightlosssurgerypodcast.com. Okay, well, I guess I next need to have a website. Well, all right, WordPress seems to be the, the word out there that people are saying, okay, and then I'm plugged in on YouTube. How do you start a WordPress website? Figured that out. Kind of one step, I, I just bit it off in tiny little chunks. So once I had the domain name and I sort of felt like uh, I'm moving into this, then of course, hello, I need to figure out how to podcast. So who else do you go to to learn how to podcast? But podcast, the podcast answer man, Cliff Ravenscraft. So I sent him an email. His class was starting like 72 hours later and he responded immediately, which I really appreciated. I love quick turnarounds Mm -hmm. and responses from people. He is very professional. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, I had just given a little plug. This is what I'm thinking of doing. Do you think this is appropriate for your course? And he said, absolutely. I definitely think that I can help you and, and that we can get you launched within four weeks. Now, again, this was, this was probably May 10th. And I think on May 8th, I had written down my kind of goals. And my goal was November 1st, 2013 to be on air with a podcast. 
Wow. <laughs> and here Cliff was like, well, in one month. And I kind of panicked, like, whoa, uh, okay, uh, sure. If, yeah, one month, right. I'll yeah. be darned. I'll be darned. If one month later, yeah. June 14th, in the 22nd hour of the last day of the course, my episode 000 got launched. And I mean, I did, I did the happy dance. I just it's couldn't exciting. believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, so, I mean, I can't say enough positive things about his course and there's definitely some skin in the game. It, it's, it's not an inexpensive course, but what you get in return, he, he follows through on his commitments without a doubt. You have yes. access to him and you have access to this amazing community of people during the course as it's going on. And also, at the after the course, I, I'm still in touch with people and still learning and growing, and I feel like I have this ongoing community. And so, I, I mean, I feel like it was it was a bargain ultimately. I agree with you. Now, my my the way I got into it is a little bit different, but you and I met in this Facebook group that Cliff mm-hmm. has because I'm an alumni of the A to Z podcasting A to Z course as well. But I took years years where you did it in the span of a few weeks. I took years. I'm not kidding you. I had the podcasting bug years ago. And so I would listen to all the podcast, um, you know, instructors out there, and then um, would try watching their videos and trying to piece it all together. I just could not pull it all together and get anything done. And so I finally when I listening to Cliff seriously and heard about his course. And I said, you know, I just, I really need to do this. And so I emailed Cliff as well as like, mm-hmm. um, you know, will you like prod me to get this done? Because I've been thinking about it for like six years now, you know, and he said, I'm not going to prod you to do it. But I will <laughs> definitely lay it out there for you. And you can walk the course. And uh, so anyway, I was in the course. And I'm just like, Oh, my gosh, okay, this is moving really fast, you know, and, I was yeah. like, and he's like, like, okay, Susie, you're ready to post something. And I'm like, oh, really? I don't know about this. But it's, it happened. And there's just this sense of like, accomplishment, you know, it's really cool, you know, and my voice is being heard. And then you get downloads from, I don't know, I started getting downloads from China and the UK. Right. And it's just amazing and awesome. And just you know, bewildering, actually. So, but yeah, without a doubt. And when I did the course, I was still working, you know, I work, as I mentioned, a lot. So I was still working full time, still coming home and helping with family. And um, so staying up late and doing the course and getting up early, waking up at sometimes 3.30 in the morning so that I could keep up on the material. To this day, I still haven't watched or read all of the content from the course, but I have access to it. Right. And so mm-hmm. so if, I, if I need to brush up on something or watch something that I, I'm now ready to take in, I uh, can just access, yes. mm-hmm. I can access the course. It never goes away. Yes, so. that is reassuring. <laughs> Tell us about, you know, the kind of equipment that you have to do all of this. Well, because my time is so limited and so, uh, you know, time is my most precious commodity, I didn't feel like I had it in me to do any research or, you know, in order to save a couple of bucks here and a couple of bucks there. And I thought, go big or go home. So Cliff, (laughs) Cliff has this professional package that you can buy. It's just slam dunk. You pay me $1,500 and I will ship to your door absolutely every piece of equipment that you need in order to launch your podcast, including all the cables and the recorder. And so I have a Heil PR40 microphone and the boom arm. And I've got this mixer that to this day has way more buttons and dials than I know what to do with. (laughs) But I've got Cliff's little photo where if I need to figure out, okay, well, what did that button do? And, and I've got that photo to refer to. I've got all my cables that are labeled with duct tape, what goes where. I've got my Roland recorder, and my Roland recorder is on a little tripod. Um, and I have an iMac as my computer that I absolutely 
I know. Well, all my Mac user also. Yeah, I had the exact same setup, actually. The exact mm-hmm. same setup. And it is a little bit when you open it up, it's like Christmas morning, but then it's also very intimidating. But it's, you know, it's really not as difficult as um, I've tried to make it out to be. But yeah, you know, a funny story about that. Just the other day, my husband was going through stuff in the garage, and I got all the equipment in the box. I carefully unpacked it. And I carefully put all the boxes back into the big box that it all came with and all the receipts and everything's all there and I sealed it up and put it in the garage and I thought okay if this doesn't work out (laughs) I can sell it all because you know it's all still perfectly good yeah and so just the other day my husband's going through the garage he finds the box he's like okay Rieger do you think you're a podcaster do you (laughs) think we can get rid of the boxes I was like yeah you know what I don't think I'm going to be selling my equipment. I think I think it's real. <laughs> yeah, I love it too. I can totally identify with that. It's fun. It is fun. Are you thinking of launching your own podcast and don't know where to start? You could have your own high-quality podcast online in just under four weeks, even if you have absolutely no technical knowledge about how podcasting works. Intrigued? 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 Since 2006, Cliff Ravenscraft, a podcast answer man, has trained thousands of people on how to launch a successful podcast. Cliff has coached top-ranked podcasters such as Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, Michael Stelzner, Dan Miller, John Lee Dumas, and the list goes on. Podcasting A to Z is a four-week group training course that leads you step-by-step through the setup of your very own podcast. Not just the technical side, but also the mindset that goes into creating a successful show as well. One thing is At the end of four weeks, you will have experienced one of the best investments you can make in taking your message to the next level. To learn more details about the course, head to podcastinga2z.com. Podcastinga2z.com. It's that time again, my friends, our social media segment with none other than our social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher, who has been standing by. Eric, how are you today? Good, but I'm actually sitting. Are you? You're sitting by. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting by. <laughs> we were just marveling over the. Uh, actually, we're. I've just outed us, haven't I? We we pre-recorded this before I actually recorded the rest of the podcast. Answer man. Uh, <laughs> Darn it. Fashion. I could I could go back and re-record, but let's go on with this. Anyway, you and I were just marveling over the new iOS seven functionality and features and. And to be honest with you, I didn't get it until uh, until you just told me to take a new look at Evernote. Yes, it and is, it's nice. It, it is some eye candy. And it's not just eye candy, but the functionality and the design changes to Evernote is just out of this world. And I have started to see, this isn't just a, a new skin. Uh, this is a new flow of how the operating system works and stuff like that. And it's taken me some getting used to. But uh, the first place I really noticed the new system outside of the Apple sphere, you know, the the calendar, which I'm still getting used to, the new mail app, which is going to take me some getting used to. I do like the iMessage app. That, that one actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Certainly not used to the way they do their photos just yet. Uh, but the first one, the first third-party app that I saw that kind of took uh, this new design approach was the Facebook app, which actually I'm really digging the new Facebook app inside of iOS now. Have you had a chance to see that one yet? Mine must not have updated because it's not looking a whole lot different to me. It will. It will. And and that's the weird thing because, for example... And I think they almost had kind of been working towards this anyway, so... Yeah, and for for me, I, I I got a notification inside of Evernote last night that all about their new application, and I have those auto updates turned on, but I did not see the new version of Evernote until just a few moments ago when you said, hey, have you seen the new version? I'm like, doesn't look any different, and I was yeah. wondering after I read their big thing, it's like, wow, they've changed this, 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 and I'm going through, it's like, yeah, looks the same to me, until I opened it today, and like, oh, whoa, it blew me away. And it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, this is not the the uh, Evernote iOS Mac portion of the show, although that would be fun to do sometime. Uh, this is the time uh, where we talk about social media. And uh, some of the things that we have done in the past is talk about Instagram, and we've talked about photo sharing, and how that can be a useful thing. 
And uh, one of the things that I'm excited to talk about today is something that's new with photos in Facebook. But before we go there, I want to hear what's going on with uh, something called Pressgram. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Pressgram is the brainchild of uh, John Saddington, who, if you don't know him, you, you can follow him at uh, john.do. Anyway, he's the guy who was instrumental in, in helping uh, Michael Hyatt master his blogging, as well as other things like that. He created, he decided, you know what, I'm, I'm sick of not owning my own photos free and clear on Instagram. So he decided to create something called Pressgram. And that's kind of a cross between WordPress and Instagram. And what it is, is it's, it's essentially a, uh, an app that is right now only for iOS, although he is working on other platforms. And it functions very much like Instagram, uh, minus the video, where you can take your own square photos, you can throw filters on them, uh, different filters, and some similar than Instagram. And you can then share those out again to Twitter, to Facebook, to all those places you love. But also, in a new way, you can share them directly to a WordPress blog, whether that's WordPress.com or your own self-hosted WordPress installation. And the idea, aside from owning your own content, is also, as John says, that you would share those photos to a place that you own and be able to drive traffic to that place when you host those images there. So it's kind of like having your own web base. It's, it's kind of like the thing that people talk about where it's like, hey, have your, have your home base and then share your stuff from that home base out to these outposts. And this is kind of a, a functionality in, in terms of that. It sounds to me like it's the reverse a little bit, but it, it certainly makes sense and it fulfills what the idea of the home base is. But um, here's here's some questions that I have for it because I have not looked into Pressgram. I just haven't had the time to, nor have I felt compelled to use anything other than Instagram where all the millions and millions of people are. Um, so, for example, for me, it's not necessarily that I'm eager to share my photos and retain absolute 100% ownership and keep Instagram from ever putting them on a commercial or anything. Um, for me, when I'm taking these photos and I'm sharing them, I'm sharing photos with the purpose of engaging with my community of people. And, and Instagram allows me to instantly share those with Twitter and Facebook. And not only that, because but because it's owned by Facebook, it actually gets some preferential treatment there and, and all of those other things. So I, I haven't felt any need to leave. Now, however, I know there are some people out there that they take a different approach to taking time to take certain photos and then uh, creating them and they want to retain full ownership. And I, and I certainly see where that appeal for something different comes along. Here's my question. Uh, Pressgram, first and foremost, let's just say I do not have a WordPress site. I don't have any other really home on the web. Um, but I, let's, I'm just, this is a hypothetical only, but I'm a Facebook user. I'm in a Twitter user and I've heard about Pressgram. Can I still use Pressgram? You can. In the same way that you would use Instagram, you would just, you know, snap your photo uh, either in the app or import it into the app. And then you click Facebook and Twitter and you, you share like you would on Instagram. So all things being set aside, everything else being equal, it, it is just like Instagram in that it is its own self-contained service. So when I take yes. this photo inside the app, it is going up to the Pressgram servers, mm -hmm. and it's in, under my account, and people can uh, go in and find me and therefore see that I have a Pressgram account. They can follow me. I can follow them. Uh, it's very much just like, any, it's just like Instagram in that way. Yes. The only thing is, is that his terms of service are obviously going to be written in such a way, which, by the way, I haven't read. But I assume they're written in such a way that you own, we own none of this. This is all yours. The only rights that you're giving it to us is to put it on our website, kind of blah, 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 that kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So so that helps me understand. I, when I first heard of this, I, I'm thinking Pressgram. So this is going to allow you to, instead of uploading to Instagram, it's going to allow you to upload to your WordPress site. I was like, what do I need an app to do that for? <laughs> and, right. then, and then all of a sudden I heard, well, in, but you're going to be able to follow people and they're going to follow you. And I'm like, how are they going to get everybody to follow everybody's blogs and then the category where these images are? And, 
And it never made sense until you just confirmed that Pressgram is its own online web-based photo sharing service where it is serving, storing and serving your images from your account to the world off of their, their system. Yes. So basically what this is allowing you to do that, uh, for example, uh, maybe what uh, Instagram, I'm trying to keep the two separate here, would not allow you to do. Now, Instagram will allow you to post to Twitter, will allow you to post to Facebook, will allow you to post to Tumblr, and I think there's one other place you can share too. I, I never checked that that fourth one. Do you know what that is off the top of your head? Uh, I know Foursquare is one of them. Foursquare is the you other one. You can email it as well. Okay. So so I guess what Pressgram's saying that you can do is you can go ahead. It's going to be stored on our server when you upload this image. But we're going to send it out to Facebook. We're going to send it out to your Twitter. But we're also going to send it to your WordPress installation I am assuming you need an uh, a plugin on the WordPress side of things. No, I don't think so. I think it's all handled right in the app itself. You plug in your authentication for your WordPress installation, and then you just you can kind of even write your you can write it as an individual post. Okay, right there in the in the uh, the app. Okay. Um, it'd be interesting to see what kind of security that they have for the for the thing. I'm not too concerned about it since I probably won't use it. But if if I were looking into using it, I'd want to know, you know, who am I giving my authentic authentication to? Um, back in the old day of using services that would post to your website, you'd be plugging in your username and your password to your administration panel. And, you know, is that stored within the app? Is it securely stored? Those kind of things. Have you looked into that side of things yet, Eric? No, because I haven't really. Uh, there's been a couple of things that have stopped me from really jumping wholeheartedly into using it. Okay. What's that? One, one, of, them, one of them being like the day it came out, I, I downloaded it. I installed it. I took a test picture and I shared it. I even, you know, tweeted it, Facebooked it. But then I couldn't figure out how to follow or find any of my friends on social networks in Pressgram. Hmm, now that's and it, that's kind of a deal breaker in some senses for me to to start using it. Yeah, because initially when Instagram first came out, it was iOS only and you could find Twitter friends very easily, but then later down the road, Facebook purchased Instagram and when that happened, Twitter said you can no longer find your Twitter followers yeah. who also have this account, but now you can easily find all your Facebook, Facebook friends. friends. But at yeah. least you have one or two, one of one of the two big networks out there. And you're telling me that Pressgram currently, as it stands today, or at least the last time you looked, did not have the ability for you to search to see if you had other friends on Pressgram that had the account. Right. So the only way you would find them is by clicking through on other social networks images that your friends that are using Pressgram have shared. Yeah. Which is fine. Like I've I've seen I mean I have like nine people I'm following because I found them that way. Or or better yet, actually, I didn't find them. They found me. And they did so probably by just naturally searching. But that's such a cumbersome thing when it comes to so I mean I'm not gonna sit there and search for every single person I want to follow. And I, I did digging. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. I actually tweeted at John and asked him about this. And he said, yeah, it's not in there yet, but we're ha- you know planning to add it soon. And so yeah. that's great. But until it's there, I, I really don't have an incentive to use it because I can't just, I mean, I'm following like nine people and I'm not going to sit and search through. Uh, well, so. I think the incentive for some people would to, to be to use it just in and just give you the other opposite perspective. Um, and basically playing the angel's advocate, if you will, uh, <laughs> is that, you know, it'd be nice if you could just go ahead and start taking your photos and being able to instantly take any photos that you share or, or that you've done in this uh, thing, have it automatically post to your WordPress site. And at the same time, sharing that out to Twitter and Facebook, the, just that alone would be helpful. Now, the question, of course, and it doesn't sound like you've done this yet, but if you were to publish a a photo and you were to put it onto your website, and then it also gets sent out to Twitter and sent out to Facebook. The question is, is when it gets sent out to Twitter and Facebook, does it bring people to the actual Pressgram online version of the photo? 
or does it link people back to your own personal blog, which is what I would prefer? Well, he's claiming that you can get about 30% plus more page views when you do that. So there's got to be some kind of a mechanism. I think that if you shared it out to your WordPress blog, that that URL would be the one that would go out as, as well as the image when yeah. it goes to these other social networks. Very interesting. So and I'm tempted to do it because I've got ericjfisher.com that I'm only using for one thing right now. And I'm tempted to kind of mic, you know, add in some microblogging with square images and have that be something that I do there. And then, uh, you know, have links to all the other stuff like my podcasts and Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff there on that site. So it makes sense for me to do. I may have to check back in and let you know how that happens and how that works. You may have said this earlier when you were explaining the service. Um, Did you say it also allows you to publish to Tumblr as well? I'm not sure that it does. Okay, that would be a... Well, if you're coming from Instagram, that would... I don't know that you would want to do that. Well, I I think you would. Um, Tumblr has an amazing online robust community. And not only that, but it's also very uh, well ranked within search engine optimization and stuff like that. And and I publish everything when I'm publishing stuff to Instagram. I almost always publish it to Tumblr, uh, just as a as a an archive of things that I've I've uploaded to the internet in some places. And also, I publish it to Twitter and Facebook. Now, there are many times when I'll take a photo that really doesn't need to be quote unquote on anybody's social timeline but I just wanted to take the photo and I thought it was cool and I did share it on Instagram for people on Instagram to follow and nine times out of ten when I don't share it with social networks outside of Instagram I still publish it to uh, Tumblr just for that archive good point but of course here's the deal obviously if I'm publishing it to my own website that would be my quote-unquote archive but there is still something to be said of the value of having a Tumblr account and uh, I mean, the people who are Tumblr users, they are Tumblr fanatics. Now, I don't know how much that's changed since Flickr or since Flickr about them, since YouTube. Gosh, what's the name of that company? Yahoo. Ah, since <laughs> Yahoo bought them. That's great. Anyway, Pressgram, uh, it, it's, it's, out, it's, it's just come out of the, on, uh, the onion. It's, it just came out of the onion. It just, oven. It just came out of the oven. And it's like one of those steaks. It needs time to let the juices redistribute. I like the idea, and I will probably spend some time seeing if I can make it really work in the way that he wants it to work, or better. And uh, we'll see. This will probably put a pin in this one. We're going to come back to it, I'm sure. There we go. And using it, leave some comments in the show notes for this episode. Exactly. And of course, they can do that at podcastanswerman.com slash 326. Again, episode 326. All right. uh, So one other topic that I want to share with you and everyone else out there is that I was looking at Mashable and saw that uh, Facebook has now introduced us to the world of shared photo albums. Now, I was a Flickr user way before I was ever a Facebook user. And uh, Flickr had always had this ability for you to create a quote-unquote group and you could approve people to be in your group and people could upload photos into your group albums. Uh, now, to be honest with you, it was such a pain in the butt. I only did it one time and even then, it was such a pain in the butt that hardly anybody else ever contributed. So, it, it really never took off for me. Today, I'm hoping that maybe Flickr has made that process a whole lot easier. But the reality is, when it comes to the number of people that I'm quote-unquote connected to on Flickr as friends, I don't even know. But when it comes to Facebook, I'm connected to thousands. And this is pretty exciting. This new feature allows multiple users to upload images to the same album. So if you are the creator of this brand new album, all you just you just go into Facebook and create a new album. And as the creator, you can share access with as many as 50 different people who can contr- who are called contributors, who can then, in turn, each one of those people can donate or contribute as many as 200 photos to that album. So I'm go- not going to do math in my head right here, but that's 50 times 200. And on my calculator, that means that you could have easily... 
go to an event, let's just say a conference with 50 of your closest friends and uh, actually I would imagine it's you plus 49 of your closest friends and together we could come up with 10,000 photos that well documents just about any and every aspect of that conference. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it'd be interesting to see what happens with uh, New Media Expo. Well, exactly. I mean, that's something I'm wondering. Am, am I? Is this something that I want to open up and have, like, let's just say the podcast mastermind uh, group album, you know, and we all upload our own yeah. images. And the thing is, it's not like you, you can only upload your images to, quote unquote, my album, but you could easily take your photos, upload them to your own album, but then upload them to the, you know, the group one as well, I would assume. Uh, it says album uh, album album creators can choose the setting that allows contributors to invite others to the album, or if they if you want, you as the creator can retain total control who is actually able to add photos to the album. Previously, users could only upload albums that they cr- upload to albums that they created, and each album was list- limited to one thousand photos. I didn't know that there was a limit of one thousand photos, but I've never tried to upload more than a thousand photos to one album before. Uh, but anyway, this new shared albums will have three availability uh, privacy settings, if you will. You can share this album with public, friends of contributors, and contributors only. So this could be a private um, you know, group only kind of deal where we're just going to share fo- photos among ourselves. And I kind of like that as well. Uh, the new shared albums have three... Oh, I already said that i actually pasted it twice so anyway um this is pretty interesting i don't know that i you know here's the deal i i wouldn't want to do the contributors only deal i'd probably want to go ahead and put that on Flickr or something else that that i think is a little bit more conducive for photography but for sharing things in a public setting and getting things seen and doing it for the purpose of of highlighting other people, saying, hey, I hung out with this person. Hey, this person had a great session. And the social media, the social networking aspect of taking photos can be quite huge. And I like the idea of shared albums. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think, I mean, it's it's not a, oh, let's do this every time. But I think specifically for events or even for, you know, for families to say, hey, everybody that was at, so, you know, today's my son's second birthday so everybody that's at the birthday party we can all combine our photos into one place to all see them easier versus having to look at all these different places and make sure everybody's tagged in certain ways and you know it just makes visibility so much easier for a a group absolutely and you just imagine all the remember the weddings where you go and everybody's handed a a a disposable camera well everybody's everybody's got their phones now and you imagine your 50 closest friends before the wedding, you invite them to this shared album and say, hey, please go around and take photos and upload them into this album for us. That's a great idea. See? I like it. You just it. gave that away, man. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to uh, be the social media segment. It looks like it's very photo-centric today. Uh, real quickly, though, if you guys have not really thought about how you can use photos to build community, uh, it, it's amazing. I'll tell you one thing that I like to do is I like to go to a conference with my very nice camera, uh, Canon 60D. If you want to see my camera and read why I spent the money that I did on it, go to podcastanswerman.com slash camera. And again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash camera. But what I do is I'll go to a conference, just like we went to the Start Conference just uh, this past weekend. And I took a lot of photos while I was there. And I plan on creating an album, and I will upload those photos, and I will tag everybody that I can figure out who they are in those images. And of course, every single person that is tagged, a couple things are going to happen. Number one, each person that's tagged is going to get a notification that they were tagged in an image, which usually causes those people to leave a comment, and then therefore, uh, an ongoing conversation can ensue from that. But also, because you tagged them, when their friends go into their photo album, they will actually be able to see the photos of their friends in your images. And you never know how that's going to link back to you. And of course, I'm sure there's some ramification within the time, you know, the, the timeline 
of their friends as well. They're probably going to say, hey, your friend Eric Fisher was just tagged in a photo. And and all of a sudden your photo is showing up. Especially if it's by another friend. Exactly. And and if that's the case, you may, you may be uh, following Eric, but maybe not following me. And there's a chance that you are also a huge fan of you know personal development, entrepreneurial conference kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this is this this photo of Eric is from an album called Start Conference. And I'm gonna go through and and check all these out. And it's like, oh, this was all created by Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm going to go check out and see who this guy is. And and you never know how all that stuff's going to work out. But photos can be very effective, especially the visual appeal. It's not just words, but it's something that captures your eye and also your attention. So I like photos, and that's why I'm glad that we talked a little bit about this today. Yeah, they're not just visually sticky. They're socially sticky. Nice. We like sticky stuff. <laughs> Eric, what else is going on in your world before we uh, let you go? Uh, just uh, recording tons of new episodes for the Beyond the To-Do List podcast. So people should go check that out at beyondthetodolist.com. And you and I are creating episodes for the podcast report. If people have not checked that out and need more incentive as to why NMX is going to be the place to be this coming first week of January uh, next year, 2014, you need to go check that out. Where, where would they find that? Oh, boy. It's a little bit harder to find, but I will tell you this. If you just go to podcastanswerman.com slash the podcast report. And if, again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash the podcast report. Or you can just search for it in iTunes under podcast report. And, and what was the, the last episode we talked about how to improve your elevator pitch? That is correct. In fact, we might actually talk about that here in an episode of Podcast Answer Man, now that we're really good at talking about it. I think we can talk. (laughs) Hey, uh, real quick on Beyond the To-Do List, I do want to say that uh, the most recent two episodes of your show may be of interest to our uh, audience here. Social Media Serenity, why does it say Social Media Serenity Mari Smith on Scaling? Because oh. I, I've been titling it based on the topics, and we talked about social media and serenity, and I just like, you know oh, what, let's okay. throw that out there. Nice. Why not? Anyway, Mari Smith is the queen of Facebook, among other things, and uh, she did, I, I listened to that entire interview, and it was really good. That's episode number 45. I learned a lot in that, ep- that episode, and, man. And, and what I love about it is it wasn't a typical interview with Mari Smith. It wasn't all about Facebook. It was about how she manages a socially connected business. And mm-hmm. I, I really, really love that. And then, of course, uh, there is one on discipline with Rachel Cruz, which if you guys out there are familiar with the name Dave Ramsey, well, that's his daughter. And unfortunately, I have not finished listening to that. The last question, so tell me what it's like to be Dave Ramsey's daughter. And that's where I'm at. So I can't wait <laughs> well, to... You're at the beginning. <laughs> I, I am at the beginning. And so I'm looking forward to hearing that episode. And that's at beyondthetodolist.com. Eric, thank you so much for another social media segment, my friend. Cliff, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, my friends, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Podcast Answer Man. If you have any feedback or any kind of uh, comments that you'd like to share about Pressgram, are you using Pressgram? Do you want to put a link to your profile? Go ahead and put that in our show notes at podcastanswerman.com slash 326. Are you already using public or not public. Well, actually, yeah. Are you using public albums that you have many contributors to? Do you have an example of what that looks like and how you're using it? Feel free to put a link to your your fully contributed to photo album in the show notes as well over at podcastanswerman.com slash 326 as well. Also, uh, just a quick reminder, podcasting A to Z. I know I've been talking about a whole lot, took up a bit of time today sharing that amazing conversation between Susie and Rieger Cortell. Uh, you know, go check them out. Uh, Podcast.com is now on episode number seven. She has she started her podcast seven weeks ago, and she's still going strong. And then you've got, you've got uh, Susie Farthing over at OneLoveForNurses.com. 24 weeks ago, she started her podcast, and she's still going strong every single week. So delighted. And so, I mean, it, you'd almost think that I gave them a script to, to read off and say, this is how I want you to promote my course. But I promise you, 
that was all 100% organic. I didn't know anything about it until after the fact. So absolutely. And I, I can tell you, there are a lot of people who come through the course who really have no understanding of the technical side of podcasting. They have no equipment and many people have don't even have a website yet. And they make it and on the fourth by the fourth week of the course, they have a podcast up and running. And if that's your goal, I want to help make it a reality for you. Don't don't wait another month. Don't wait another year to get your podcast, to get your voice out into the world. Sign up for podcasting A to Z, podcasting A to Z.com. The course starts this Monday, September 23rd. If you have any specific questions related to the course itself, any questions at all, email me personally, podca- cliff at podcastanswerman.com. Again, that's cliff at podcastanswerman.com. And I will certainly try to help answer any questions you have about whether or not this is a course that would work for you. Yeah. So there you go. Another long episode. Sorry about the length. But uh, we'll be back again next week with um, all kinds of fun things. I'll be, I'll be in the midst of my first week of this new session, the 13th session of Podcasting A to Z. And uh, because I won't be in continual nonstop marketing mode, we'll have other things to talk about. And I can't wait to connect with you then. Until then, my friends, I can, I can honestly say I'm tired. Oh, but I am so excited to potentially be working with many of you. And also, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast! It's a man!